The following program is paid programming. The views expressed on the following program are those of its hosts and participants, and nowhere reflect those of the ownership, staff, or advertisers of WNRI. Welcome to Chat Chat, the people's sports talk radio show on WNRI, with your host, Bradley Shatraw. And we are back with the Chat Chat Radio Show here on WNRI at the new time slot, 6.05 p.m. here on Monday night. And over the weekend, obviously, there were things to talk about. I mean, the Patriots absolutely manhandling the Browns yesterday. We saw a big response from the Dallas Cowboys after a rough week two weeks ago against the Denver Broncos. And the Kansas City Chiefs looked like the Kansas City Chiefs again last night as they took care of the Raiders on Sunday Night Football and really made no mistake about the fact that they think their swagger is back. And at the end of the show, I would definitely like to touch on the fact that Eduardo Rodriguez is no longer a Boston Red Sox. He signed a five-year deal with the Detroit Tigers. He will be moving on. And now you got to ask yourself, how are they going to fill that spot in the rotation? Because there's no way around it. Eduardo Rodriguez had a big part of where the Red Sox ended up this season. He pitched some big games for them. He's a guy that they could consistently rely on being out there when he was not, you know, with the issues that he had with his heart. Outside of that, he was a guy that really stayed on the field. And he had some really good years in Boston. So definitely going to be interesting to see how they fill that void. But let's get to the Patriots, who, like I said, really, really took care of the Cleveland Browns yesterday, winning 45-7. to And everything was clicking in every aspect of the game for New England. And really, I thought at least was the best game of Mac Jones's career. I mean, he went 19-23, for throwing the ball for 198 yards. He had three touchdowns and did not throw an interception. And he made some really, really good throws throughout the game that showed, you know, he really belongs here. I mean, there was a third down pass to Hunter Henry on the first drive of the game. There was also a really impressive second and five to Hunter Henry that was along the sidelines. And I thought the throw of the game for him was the touchdown pass to Kendrick Bourne. It was a great throw, great catch, but really it had to be put in a certain spot for Bourne to even make the good catch that he made. And Mac put it right there. I mean, he's for real. And he's proving me and a lot of people, a lot of other people wrong. Now, I'm still holding out. I think Fields is going to be a better long-term and more dynamic player, but Mack is the best rookie so far this season based off of his performances, and he walked into the best situation out of any rookie, but he's taking advantage of it. I mean, you can't really fault the guy. You know, I hear it used as an argument against him. I mean, even me, sometimes I, I can say, you know, he did walk into the best situation, but he is taking full advantage of walking into that situation. And he's also proving Bill Belichick right. I mean, Bill wanted him because he felt that he fit the system they played in New England. And spoiler alert, he does. And I've been screaming to let Mac Jones off of his leash. I mean, I thought he can do more than Bill was allowing him to. There have been times throughout this season that it just seemed like you got to give this guy you know, more to do. It, it, it was a lot of running the ball, trusting the defense, playing safe. And I thought yesterday, 
there was the leash was kind of was loosened. We, we saw some more leeway for Mac Jones, and, and that's exciting. But like I mean, yesterday really did prove my point in that respect. I mean, I get that they're slowly building him up, but it did get to be too much at certain points, in my opinion. Now, Mac can make some big throws if you let him and you pick your spots, and that's exactly what the Patriots did yesterday. They stuck to the run again. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson had a great game in place of Damian Harris, but they did pick their spots to take some shots down the field, and Mac was able to execute on those shots. And it's it's not like it was against a defense that isn't that good. I mean, the Cleveland defense for most of this year has really been one of the better ones in the league. So last week I sat up here and said hammering the run, trusting your defense, that won't be good te- that won't beat good teams. And I stand by that. But what the Patriots did yesterday can beat good teams. Mix in Mac Jones having to make some tough throws, you know, with the run and trusting the D like they always do. Now you've got something. So that's where I'm at with this team. I do still consider them an average team at the moment because I say that because one big win is not going to change my mind. But if we see this same formula next week, I'm going to start to move off of that point. I mean, Atlanta's not a good football team. That's who they're going to play on Thursday night. They have the Falcons, and they're just, they aren't a good football team. I mean, that was shown yesterday against the Dallas Cowboys. And Corderell Patterson probably is not playing a guy that has been a big aspect of their offense, real dynamic player. He is a former Patriot, so I'm sure a lot of people out there do remember him. But if the Patriots can follow up this performance with Mac Jones throwing the ball like he did yesterday, it's tough to not shift. It's tough to not shift into calling them a good team. I get they just put up 41s on 41 points on the Browns. And like I said last week, 41 points is 41 points. I said that actually about the Browns over the Bengals. But they beat the Chargers last year 35-0, and then they lost the next three games. So now it's time to figure out if this is truly who they are or if they just had one heck of a week. But after yesterday, three things are for sure. Mac Jones is the QB of the future for this team. He absolutely is. He's a guy that they can look to to grow and build off of, and that's pretty much what they've done this season. But now long term, you have to wonder where else they can go with this. How can they make this more dynamic? How can they put more on his plate to continue to get better? Another thing is the run game has really found its stride. At the beginning of the year, the run game was really good, and then it started to teeter off a little bit, and that's when they started losing football games, and you wondered where the direction of it was going, but it's back in a big way. I mean, Damian Harris has had some good weeks recently, and obviously, like I just said, Ramondre Stevenson yesterday did have a big day for this team. Now, another thing is Bill Belichick is back like he's never been before. I mean, we saw some people out there really doubting Bill Belichick from the beginning of this season, you saw the New Orleans Saints game. It was just not a good one for the Patriots. And then there was also the Houston game that they did end up pulling out. But for most of that game, it wasn't looking promising. And that's probably one of the it, one of the worst teams in the league, if not the worst team in the league. So the fact that they've been able to respond this way, find their winning formula, build off of what they what the best aspect of their team was, which is their defense. At least I think their defense is their best aspect. They've been the most consistent. They've been able to rely on that defense. And now they're adding in more and they're becoming better. They're trying to make this offense a little bit more dynamic, not as one dimensional. At least that's what we saw yesterday. I mean, I, you, you, you look at this season, I think most Patriots fans would have happily signed up to be six and four through 10 games. So after a slow start, this team seems to be right back on track. 
The big question now is they can, can they continue on this path? Can Matt consistently make the throws he made yesterday from here on out? Because the three weeks before this one, I don't know if a lot of people were as high on, on the way in which Mac was playing as they were to start the season. But yesterday, you've seen everybody come roaring back, and I don't blame them because he was fantastic. I have now gotten to the point where I think this team is going to go as far as Mac Jones go. We've seen what they were when they were able to make some simple throws and trust their defense. They're average to a below average team. You know, that was the beginning of the season, and they kind of averaged it out. But with Mac's ability to throw the ball, they could become a good team with the chance to really make some noise in the AFC. I mean, the AFC is wide open right now. There is no team out there that has dominated. You think about the Chiefs. They looked great last night. But overall, this season, they have not been the same team we've been accustomed to over the last couple seasons. The Bills are my pick to win the AFC. I, I, I think they're probably the strongest team as of right now. But we've also seen them lose to Jacksonville and, and have some problems on the O-line. You look at the Ravens. They just lost to the Dolphins. And They've had to make multiple double-digit comebacks. There is no heavy hitter in the AFC. So they can really make some noise here. So that's what yesterday was for me. It showed that this team can be good if Mac gets a longer leash, if he makes some tough throws, if they try and air it out every here and there, if they trust him to make that throw on the sideline to Hunter Henry, if they trust him to make that throw to Bourne into really good coverage, if we're going to call it what it was. But if they revert back to dinking and dunking their way to wins, I think the ceiling is only so high. That's what we saw the three weeks prior to this one. If the Patriots don't see yesterday and let Mac Jones loose, I don't know what's going on. Because if they do let him loose, I think it might be the thing that allows this team to take off. Mac Jones was very impressive yesterday. And it seems as though that should be the direction in which the Patriots cater their offense towards now. Allow him to make some more throws. Allow him to make some more tough throws. Trust him a little bit more. Because that was the biggest question is, why is Bill Belichick not trusting this guy more than he really should be? I mean, yeah, he's a rookie, but there were multiple instances. I always go back to the Tampa Bay game on the fourth and two. I mean, I'm sure I've beaten that to a dead horse, and and it feels like I always say that every week. But that was a defining moment in why does he not trust Mac Jones? Now, I do have a call, so I will take that. Welcome to Shot Chat. Hey, Shot. Tommy the Giant. How are you? How's it going, Tommy? How you been? All right? I've been all right. How about you? Good. Uh, I think, you know, listen to the Patriots, and obviously everybody knows uh, I'm a Giant fan, but I'm also a big-time football fan. And if anybody's been following, when that Patriots team was 2-4, and four, you saw, obviously, Bill didn't have the entrustment and his son, Stephen, at all. And if you watch some of the Patriots game, just watch closely on the sidelines. Bill's more, as soon as the defense comes off the field, he's right there on that sideline talking to those guys. So he's doing most of, probably 80% of the play calling now where Stephen's just handling the linebackers now. So that's why this team's transformed because there's a ton of talent. They have one of the most talented teams on defense in the NFL. And now you're seeing that. Because remember, just from the Cowboys and the Buccaneers, they're just a play away from being an 8-2 team right now, Shad. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and I, agree, I agree with you on the defensive point. I think they've been probably the most consistent part of this team, and they have looked very good over the last month, as you say, when Bill Belichick kind of takes over, has a little bit more say there. And it's been interesting to see kind of, you know, Christian Barmore is a guy that they got in the second round. He's really stepped up for them. J.C. Jackson has been really good in that role that he had to fill for Stephon Gilmore. And overall, I think they've continued to show that they are the backbone of this team, so I completely agree. I think you hit it right on with Barrymore. He is, obviously, he's, he's, he was a steal, I think, of the whole 
draft in the, uh, on defense because people forgot about him. Maybe it was a little bit of his weight. They said he had a little bit of attitude problem. But when he brings the kind of attitude, physical, that he brings to the Patriots' defense, you take it every day, Shad. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and now you got to wonder how far can this defense take this team because obviously Mac Jones now could have some more leeway. And you got to wonder about the outlook of the AFC. Maybe the Patriots can make some noise here. Yeah. And if you're looking at you know, I, I've said this many times to many people that want to listen about it, Mac Jones is not the normal ordinary rookie. He's got a year and a half to two years on a lot of these rookies that are out there. So he's got the intelligence. He comes from a great system. He was the steal, you know, listen to different people on the dial, down the dial to other sports. He was the steal of the NFL draft at 15. How these other people, like the Lions and uh, the Eagles and everybody, the Falcons passed on this kid is incredible. Bill Belichick, as bad as he's been as a general manager drafting players, he stole this one with Mac Jones. Yeah, absolutely. And you think back about the talk at the draft was kind of how San Francisco kind of faked that they were going to take Mac Jones and ended up choosing Trey Lance at three. But you got to think they probably should have taken Mac Jones there. They should have taken Mac Jones. And I heard you mention at the top of your show about Ebrod. That is a big loss. For, you know, he was he was offered three years with a little bit more money with the Sox, but he wanted longevity and getting the five for 77 with Detroit. Obviously, you know, the Sox are only going to see him probably maybe once because they only played Detroit, I think, seven times next year. So he'll only come back once. But I think him moving on, I think you might see Schwaber moving on. There's going to be a little bit of debts. Obviously, they do have some talent to back that up. But I think they've got a little bit of retooling that has to be done. The Yankees have to rebuild that whole team for them to be contentious. And you see that Tampa Bay traded away Bruce Odd already. So they, Tampa Bay, for some reason, they've got one of the best GMs out there because he dumps guys and he brings guys in and they all exceed. <laughs> yeah, Tampa Bay seems to always figure it out. But like you were saying about Arata Rodriguez, I do think that, that that's a, a tough guy to replace. It's going to be interesting yep. to see the route that they take because he's a guy that did eat some innings for them. And the stats suggested he was one of the more unlucky pitchers when it came to the defense behind him. He actually should have had a much lower ERA. They tracked that now. And the Red Sox really didn't do him any services with the defense they played behind him. So he was a better pitcher than he looked on the surface. And again, like I said, besides that, that season that he had to take away for his heart, he was a guy that you can consistently rely on. I mean, he showed up and he made you know 15-plus starts every year. And I think the AL Central makes a lot of sense for him because you, know, you wonder about the Tigers' defense, but they're not. it's definitely not as good of a division. So I really think he's got a chance to maybe be you know, reach some potential over there in the AL Central. I think he's going to pick up. He's going to be a, a 16 to 17 win guy over there. I think I really think that benefits him. And you're right. He gave a lot of length to the Sox. I think it, his his presence on that mound is going to be big this year. I know they got Chris Sale coming back. You know, after a full year uh, with Tommy John. Uh, obviously, everybody loves Nathan Navaldi. He is a guy with two uh, Tommy John surgeries. They've got some. And, you know, they got Whitlock. They, they've got a nice Tanner Howe. They've, they've got a nice team coming back, but. Losing a guy like Erod, especially a left-hander, being in baseball as long as I had, you always died for left-handers, and left-handers are big in baseball, so I wish him luck out there, and I think the Yankees, you know, they're saying they're going to be all in on Carlos Correa. I'd rather have Corey Seager myself, but that's just me. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I think Corey Seager is a better hitter at the plate, but Carlos Correa is one of the better defensive shortstops in baseball, so it's kind of, you know, pick your poison. Which one would you rather have? I'm sure it's the bat, so I don't blame you, but hey, I appreciate the call, and hopefully I'll talk to you next week. Great job, Chad. Appreciate it. All right. Well, good to hear from Tommy the Giant again. It's been a little while, but I'm going to go to break, and I will be right back. Time to pay a few bills, so hang tight with more Shat Chat with Bradley Shatra on WNRI.
If you live in North Smithfield, Woonsocket, or Barville and need a landscaper for this summer, Nick Dybala and 3D Lawn Care can take care of all your needs. 3D is known for their quality lawn care and specializes in hardscaping work as well. Call Nick to schedule a quote at 401-692-1631. Let them take care of your landscaping needs so you have more time to do what you enjoy. Groupan.com is a website designed to cater towards the sports fan who wants more than just the traditional sports articles. They post articles about video games, sports cards, and the latest topics from various writers from southern New England. They're active on social media with videos from a list of analysts that includes me, Chat Chat host Bradley Shatraw. Visit Groupan.com to get the full cruel fan experience you expect from those who know sports. Sports news, opinions, what's yours? Do you need a scratch or dent taken out of the body of your car? Visit Cody Auto Body in North Smithfield. It is located right next to Little General at 716 St. Paul Street. And with their state-of-the-art equipment and DuPont paints, owner Mike Cody will take care of all your needs. Give them a call today at 401-762-2883 or go in and talk to Mike directly. He has taken care of my car for years and I've never once been disappointed. You can visit their page on Yelp to get more information. Alrighty, we are back with yet again some more chat chat here on WNRI. Call into the show at 401-766-1380 or 401-769-0600. Now, Paul Manville's Thursday night program did not broadcast last Thursday because of the Veterans Day program. He will do a special program tonight after me. And he will be at 7 o'clock. His topic will be the children's vaccine being required across the USA. Paul has some strong opinions on the topic, and he'll share them from 7 to 8 o'clock tonight with a special edition of his program, Reality Check Radio. I have another call, so I will take Welcome to Chat Chat. Hey, Brad. It's Ben. What's going on? How's it going, Ben? Good. Uh, I wanted to call in and... Uh Get your opinion on the uh, offensive rookie of the year race right now between Jamar Chase and Mac Jones. Yeah, I mean it's going to be it's going to be interesting because if you think about the consistency, you probably think Jamar Chase. I mean he has had some down games, but for the most part, he's really been able to produce week in and week out for the Bengals. But I think the ultimate advantage that Mac Jones has is the fact that he's a quarterback. I mean, let's be honest, he's the guy that that, that wins and or at least gets the blame for the wins and the losses so at the end of the day if the Patriots are a playoff team and and Jamar Chase does kind of the damage he does but Cincinnati continues to trend downward and and they kind of finish I don't know top 10 in the draft or something like that you got to think that it's Mac Jones yeah I mean my take on it is I think right now if the if the trophy was given out today I think you give it to Jamar Chase just because of the production he's had so far but I think when we look at the end of the season, it's going to go to Mac Jones because I'm predicting that Jamar Chase might see a little decrease in his uh, production because you're going to think about opposing teams now. They're going to put their best corners on him. They're going to double-team him now because I feel like in the first half of the season, at least going into the season, opposing teams, they saw Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins as the main targets and the best receivers on the Bengals. But now, obviously, with Jamar Chase exploding, he's going to get more attention from the defense. So I think that's why we'll see a little bit of a decline in his production. But another point I wanted to make is I think they should honestly just make different trophies for quarterbacks. And this is including the MVP, too, because I feel like the Offensive Rookie of the Year and the MVP trophy is just 
is so quarterback based in the NFL where as opposed to the NBA you see like the MVP can be really any position but the NFL it almost feels like the best quarterback position rather than the MVP yeah, I think offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think you make a good point. It's it's the ultimate advantage to be a quarterback. It's it's almost like the Heisman. I mean, you really have to be unbelievable to beat out quarterbacks to win that type of award. And it's just geared towards the quarterback, like you're saying. So I. I honestly agree with you. And back to kind of what you were saying about Jamar Chase, I really didn't even think about that point, about the fact that, you know, opposing teams were kind of looking at T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and, and he wasn't necessarily getting drawn that number one cornerback. But it's it, it's definitely true, and you got to think that opposing teams are looking at him as the wide receiver one now. So maybe like you're saying, you see a little bit of decrease in production, in his production, but you see kind of an uptick in T. Higgins and guys like Tyler Boyd like that because they now can, can go against that, that corner back two or cornerback three so I thought that was a great point and uh, I got to agree with you in the long haul I just think that Mac has the ultimate advantage in the fact that number one he has a much better team that actually has a chance of making the playoffs and number two he's a quarterback let's be honest yeah definitely because when you and then when you look at the records at the end of the year um, yeah I'm going to assume that the Patriots will have a better better record than the Bengals I would hope so and and going back to that uh, Jamar Chase argument is I mean, the Jets kind of gave a blueprint of how you can beat the Bengals. I mean, Jamar Chase only had three receptions that game, and let's be honest, the Jets just aren't a good team. I mean, there was a little bit of hope after that game, but, I mean, we saw yesterday what the Bills did to them. I know, everybody hopped on the Mike White White White. Yeah. The Mike White bandwagon, and then all of a sudden he just went right back down to earth, which it was fun. It was fun for a couple of weeks, but I think we all realized that Zach Wilson will be very much back in that position when he's healthy enough to go. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Well, hey, I appreciate your call. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, that was Ben Catino. He's been in studio a few times here. Always does a good job and big Patriots fan. So he was obviously quite ecstatic about what went down yesterday and kind of the emergence of Mac Jones, if you will. Because, I mean, I think yesterday has the potential to kind of be the coming out game. I mean, it was truly his best game of the season. You saw him make multiple good throws. So, I mean, there's no way around it. It's He's... He's a, he's a really good quarterback, and he's a guy that they can look to now to build off of for the future. And another thing about that decision is it's incredible how correct Bill Belichick was in his approach to start Mac Jones right away. Because I think you saw the rookie kind of growing pains there the first six weeks when this team was sitting at 2-4, and four and you didn't really know where the direction was headed, and, and it looked like... Maybe they could have won a few of those games if they had a more experienced guy in there at the quarterback position, but he made the right choice. There's no way around it. Mac Jones is at his best point here in the midway point of the season, and and looking forward, you have to wonder where it goes. Now, another call. Radio. Maybe not, and we will go back to that. I will move on to the Cowboys in just a little while, but let's take the call. Welcome to Shot Shot. Hi. You're on chat. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Uh, what are you guys chatting about tonight? Uh, well, tonight I was talking about the New England Patriots this past segment. We were talking about the emergence of oh, Mac really? Jones. Yep. Oh, cool, man. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jones is doing good. Yeah. Uh, we got that little guy. What's his name there? Uh, Kendrick Bourne? Yeah, well, yeah. He's another little guy. Yep. Oh, God. They're tough as nails. They are. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, they've shown a lot of a lot of heart already, and uh, really been able to kind of find themselves on this four-game win streak. 
Oh, yeah, isn't that great, though? And uh, none of it's been on the road, has it? I, I, They might have had one or two road games, but it's been a lot at Gillette Stadium, that's for sure. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, great. I know. Isn't that great for the fans? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, I appreciate your call. Look forward to talking to you Oh, great. All right, so we are back, and we will move on to the Dallas Cowboys. They beat the Falcons yesterday 43-3, to one week after laying just a brutal loss out there against the Denver Broncos. And I think it was their first bad game of the season. I said that on the air. I said, you know, good teams have bad games. It happens. You know, what do you... You can't expect them to go out and play well every single week. And I'm just going to chalk that up, that Denver game, to being just a bad game for the Cowboys. But yesterday was the response of a lifetime. Truly a response that the one way you could convince yourselves that it, it just it, de- it doesn't mean much, that Denver Broncos lost. Because to come out and respond the way they did... I mean, they scored an incredible amount of points in about 13 minutes. And you saw multiple different aspects of the team that was very encouraging. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott scoring two touchdowns, being that guy that they can rely on close in the red zone, 10 or 5 yards within the touchdown and he was able to execute there. You also saw Dak Prescott make some good throws. I saw. I thought the throw to CD, the first throw to CD Lamb was a good one and he went up and made a play and the second was uh, just pretty impressive. I mean, that second one was a, a blitz, and, and Dak had to move his way back. He had two hands up, and he threw it right over, and CeeDee Lamb made a play. But it was really just Dak being able to know where the blitz was going to come from, how much time he actually had, and he went back and made a good throw to CeeDee Lamb. And it was a good day for the defense, obviously, only allowing three points. And it just shows that the Falcons are going to need to move on here, and they're going to have to rebuild. It's, it's, it's not working, and they continue to run it back with, with Matt Ryan and the team that they've kind of gotten together over there. And I think it's just time to move into the future here. They're probably going to have another season here where they're going to be in the lottery. Uh, they drafted Kyle Pitts last year, a tight end that has been a good pick. I mean, he has really shown some strides and being a good NFL player. But overall, it's, it's time for the Falcons to move on. But... As for the Cowboys, this was a big win for them to kind of get back into Super Bowl mode. And, and I'm not saying they're making the Super Bowl. I'm just saying that is their ultimate goal here. I mean, let's be honest about it. There, it there's no hiding of it. Of it. There, there's, there's just no there's, there's no denying the fact that that's their ultimate goal here because they're, they're not young guys anymore. Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott aren't rookies anymore like they were the season that they, they made a really good run in the regular season. And it's it's come down to... How are they going to be week in and week out? Can they find the consistency? Can they be this team? And pretty much all season, they have had that consistency outside of the Denver game. So that's why this response against the Falcons was so big. And like I said, it, it, was, it was big for Dak Prescott to get back out there and, and make some big throws and kind of be the dynamic guy that he is. And he's a guy that I, I, I don't understand why, but I... I think he's in the same breath as guys like Patrick Mahomes and uh, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers. Dak is one of those guys. He is top tier, and when he's at his best, he has shown that. I mean, you look at what he did week one against Tom Brady. Now, yes, that was a loss, but he went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady in a shootout. 
that's a game that you really usually do not win when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because that usually becomes their specialty. But overall, it, it was it was a massive response. You could see the joy in Jerry Jones's face up in the booth and his son Stephen. You could see the fact that you know. That's exactly what they needed moving on here, going into a, a week in which they are going to play the Kansas City Chiefs, America's Game of the Week. They will be prime time. It will, it will be all eyes on them and Kansas City, especially after the game that Kansas City had yesterday. you got to wonder if, if they're back. I'll talk about that in a little while. But when it comes to the Cowboys, I think there's really f- some, some big factors that go into them being at their best. Number one is Micah Parsons. I think that he's a guy that has really been crucial for them at the linebacker position. They've also put him at some edge. But yesterday he had a big sack for them, went right through. And, and, and that was, I mean, he has been a staple of their defense has allowed this defense to be much better than they were last season. And then I already talked about, obviously, you know, their skill positions in Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott. I do have a call. Welcome to Shot Shot. What's going on, Shad? Jamal. Hey, Jamal. How you doing? Doing pretty good, man. That's good. What are, you, what are you thinking tonight? Hey, I'm thinking actually what you're thinking, man. I don't know if you could, how happy you are, um, you know, seeing the Chiefs look that good when you got to face them this week. Definitely. It feels like they kind of got their get-right game all of a sudden, and, and now, conveniently, they're going to play the Dallas Cowboys next week. Yeah, I hope you know, help the AFC out a little bit, you know, giving them another loss and, you know, knocking them down further than the seeding, so hopefully we get some help out by you guys. But, uh, yeah, I'm still skeptical, but it looks like they, uh, you know, again, the Raiders kind of, you know, refused to play cover two, so take that as you please, but they did look like the old Kansas City Chiefs for their, for, you know, for that credit, and Mahomes looked like an MVP again and so that's you know promising for Chiefs fans but you know not too promising for you guys at the face of next week absolutely and I mean it's funny because you saw all of them kind of talking about oh they got their swagger back and, and it was one of those games that I think they, they really needed it from a from a mental standpoint almost because it had started to get to the point where what is going on here is this inside these guys head why why are, do they look nothing like the team of the past so I, I think the jokes about you know that meme I got my swagger back I think it's actually kind of accurate because it looked like they did yeah it's not just because they've been winning but it's how yeah they won, you know? exactly so yep. winning, yeah like they know you know we face some better quarterbacks you probably don't win the past few games but that wasn't the case this week, you know. Granted, you know, with the Raiders, they had their problems or whatever, but, you know, they put up 41. Again, not too sure how consistent that's going to be, you know, these coming next weeks, but they definitely got their swagger back for this week particularly. You know, we'll see if that carries on. Do you know if that game's going to be at Dallas or at Aaron? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not positive. But, now, what did you think about the Bills game? The Bills, well, hey, they got their swagger back too, man. Yeah. It looked like because I was watching the Dallas on down, you know, about a ticker, you know. It was like to see like who's going to score more. Like yeah. Dallas scored thirty six by halftime. We were up here putting up. Well, we eventually did outscore them by what, like two points. Yeah, yeah, forty five. They had forty three, but yeah, the, you know, order has been restored. Good teams are beating up the bad teams they again. Um, I don't get why there's so much disappointment from the Jets side. I mean, like we are. I mean, the Bills are a Super Bowl contending team. I don't know what they necessarily expected of then a blowout. Um, but, you know, I fully expected that. We ran the ball really well, and, you know, Josh Allen only had three of those yards. We, the rest of that was kind of run back by committee. The play calling was creative. And so that was, you know, really promising to see. You know, the O-line looks a lot better. Spencer Brown has helped him out a lot. And we got a really tough stretch of football for the, for pretty much now to the end of the year. You Definitely. Know, besides the Panthers and the Falcons, which are, you know, still no pushovers. No. Um, but everything else is really, really tough. 
Um, and so we're going to really have to bunker down and, you know, take care of business here because we do got a close division race here. Um, and you don't want to, you know, give those guys any hope. Definitely. I mean, I, I totally agree with you with the fact that, you know, that, that New York game, no matter who you're playing, you got to be able to kind of to blow them out and show that you're that much better than them. And the fact that they were able to establish the run, not Josh Allen, but establish the real run, and the offensive line looked a little bit better. It's one of those things where it, it could get them here in the right direction because, like you're saying, it's a tough stretch of football coming up. They are definitely they have really no games that that are at least kind of like this Jets game where they should win by a ton coming up here in, in the next month and a half. So it's going to be interesting. Like you said, the Patriots all of a sudden putting some pressure on here in this divisional race. So every game is going to be very important, which I think could ultimately help them if they are able to ultimately you know get into the playoffs and get where I think a lot of us think they're going to go because a lot of these games are going to have that type of feel to them. They're going to be very important. You're going to be watching the scoreboard of the Patriots. So I mean, I like where the Bills are at, but it's definitely going to be telling this next stretch of football to see where they ultimately will end up. Yeah, and you know, they, they didn't make it any easier on themselves. They kind of, well, the way the Patriots' schedule was playing out, like blow some games. They kind of just left themselves no margin for error um, until those two head-to-head matchups really come out. The only real saving grace is that we swept Miami and they lost to Miami. That's kind of our only saving grace here. You know, the, I'm like the Titans all saying, you know, that's an acceptable loss. But still, you know, they had that game in grass. That would have been a nice win to have by now. Jacksonville for sure. Because um, the Pats, their schedule isn't too much harder besides the Bills, Titans. Yeah. Yeah, besides the Bills and the Titans. For real. You know, they definitely have the capability at least, you know, splitting with us and possibly being the Titans. So. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Now, what were your thoughts on the Ravens dropping one to the Dolphins on Thursday night? Um, I was a little bit surprised, uh, you know kind of a Brian Flores staple, you know, zero blitz, you know, every end of, you know, at any stage of football, really, going to high school, you should always, you know, have an answer to zero blitz, you know, that's kind of, you know, basic fundamental offense, and they just had no answers whatsoever. I get it, he, you know, he was dropping back different people every time, it was a bit confusing, but just their, you know, their approaches on offense to, like, kind of rack that were just not smart, you know, trying to room up Lamar, quick screen passer, receivers dropping the balls. You know, receivers didn't help Lamar off by any chance either. No. Um, it was just really disappointing and really, you know, shameful. Um, yeah. And, of course, it's a game that they probably didn't like to drop because, you know, that kind of, they're in a tough division race as well in the AFC North, um, you know. So I do think they'll probably be able to come out. They're still in a tough race there. They're still, you know, in a tough race for the ones that, you know, Tennessee is starting to kind of run, with, run away with it now. Yeah. So, you know, that Miami loss is not, not a good one to have. No, absolutely. It was definitely a big loss. Now, how about tonight on Monday Night Football? You got the Rams. We're going to get OBJ. It's going to be kind of the first taste of him in a Rams uniform. What are your expectations for that game against the Niners? Oh, yeah. It's hilarious to me that they kind of, you know, hype the Niners. Like, it's going to be a good match. The Niners <laughs> are not a good team. <laughs> yeah, they haven't uh, been great. You know, the, yeah, the lower round kind of Shanahan started kind of say I'm starting to have my skepticism about him. Both Jimmy, I mean, just no disrespect, but, you know, they both Jimmy Gene, Trey Lance, they suck. I mean, Yeah, sorry, Trey Lance has not looked good. I mean, they, they were saying yeah. he was kind of a raw guy and was going to take some time, but overall, he, he really hasn't been impressive at all. Yeah, but moving in, my only, like, that's no, I have no problem with it, but my only problem is your team was built to win now. Which is yes. Pushing the Mac Jones, you know, the way he's looking now, you probably should have picked him. Yeah. But, you know, they both suck. You know, you don't really got an awesome receiving card. They're going to get blown out. They should get blown out. Um, yeah. And, of course, with the injury to Robert Woods, OBJ, they have a huge role in this offense. Except the Cooper Cup, you know, he's already been insane. So that offense should really be clicking. Um, Matt Stafford gets back in stink. And I hope, you know, see this defense play well. You know, they're a very talented defense. Um, you know, but sometimes, you know, it feels like they don't put up the standards too much. They're still being very good this year. 
I'm looking for you know complete annihilation by them tonight. Definitely. I'm. I mean, I'm looking for two things because it's crazy how things work, like not work out, but how things happen. And Robert Woods kind of has that injury season ending, and now all of a sudden OBJ is going to kind of slide into that number two receiver slot. Where I think a lot of people saw the move to LA originally and thought, well, how is this kind of an upgrade in target shares, or if he's going to get the ball enough on a daily basis? Now, I mean, he's a guy that is dynamic and with Matt Stafford I'm sure they're going to be able to get him the ball pretty consistently but now I think it, it kind of even takes an uptick I'm curious to see how they use him because I'm, I'm sure he doesn't really know the playbook all that well yet it, it's kind of very fresh to him and number two I'm going to be looking at the pressure they're able to get on San Francisco's QB because it's rumored that Von Miller should play today he's expected to play so you're going to have both those guys on that defensive line as both those guys obviously I mean Aaron Donald as well so that's what I'm curious is, is can they or are they going to be what we expect them to be and, and really give that quarterback hell all night? Yeah, I know Von Miller was kind of with the ankle because he started the year like extremely strong and then he kind of fell off a little bit because of ankle injury. See how that's healing up, you know, if it's, you know, decent to go. He should, you know, expect, you know, typical Von Miller. Yeah. And they should be a, a, a vaunted pass rush to be had. Um, you know, I, I just expect complete annihilation. This should not be a, you know, too close of a game. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It, it, it's definitely an interesting game because of the storylines in L.A., but it, it really, I, I don't expect necessarily a close game either. But, hey, I appreciate you calling in once again, and I always look forward to talking to you again. For sure, man. If you got, you got a little more time real quick, I want to talk to you. How about your, how about your Lakers, man? Going on, going on. Oh man, it's 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 tough to watch. I mean, the problem with it is like I don't know how to gauge it. I don't know where they're at because LeBron hasn't been there in so long. And and last year I made the mistake of kind of thinking, you know, he, he doesn't play with these guys for a ton. He, he walks right back in and everything's going to be okay because that was what kind of happened really in those Cleveland days. But now it's he's not able to take on necessarily that as big of a load back then, obviously. But they're still a team that seems built for him. And, and while Russell Westbrook and him don't seem like the great greatest fit in the world when they've been on the floor together this season they've been able to win but it's it's worrisome that they are they seem built to win without LeBron against teams that are inferior to them when you have guys like Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis still on the floor and they've struggled to make that happen I mean obviously you've had some bad shooting nights from Russell Westbrook overall and the other night Anthony Davis I mean he came out in the first quarter had 15 points and finished the game with 22 so I I just think it's it's tough to gauge if they're really a mess or, you know, if it's kind of a product of, well, they need LeBron back. Yeah, to me, you see, that's kind of the odd part because, you know, I thought, you know, they kind of pick up Russ and kind of build this big trio. So, you know, if, you know, LeBron were to go out or AD were to go out, you know, they would be able to, you know, maintain and, you know, carry the load and one of them can take over yeah. you know, for that extended period of time. But they're completely incompetent, you know. Surprise, surprise, well, LeBron James, you know, kind of typical of his career almost. Um, and it looks like he's going to have to come back, you know, and save the day once again. Um, they have been good with him on the floor. It's just kind of, yeah. you know, everything kind of falls apart when he's gone. Um, and, you know, they got to keep up with the West, you know, but not getting any easier, especially with my, you know, Warriors looking very, very good. They do. They definitely do. I mean, what, what have you seen with them that's allowed them to be this good this early? You know, everyone has all, you know, us sucking for the past two years looks to be paying off. The role players are finally developed into yes. real nice, very deep pieces. Combine that with some veteran pieces coming back. Curry and Draymond's brilliant, and of course, I mean, Clay can do as much as stand wide open in the corner, and he'll be able to contribute until he get his legs back. So, there's there's pieces, offensive answers all over the floor. There's excellent defensively, combined with a good coach and a good scheme, poised for another championship run.
it, I mean, it's it's tough not to think that's the direction this is heading, especially with the fact that Clay Thompson is coming back. But yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see if the Lakers can work this out. If they get LeBron James back, it's rumored that he he's close to return. He, he's he's somewhere in the ballpark, maybe a week or two away. But uh, it, it was an abdomen injury, I guess, so that that's kept him out for a while. But like you're saying, like you said about the Lakers, it's it's just tough to to see guys like Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis still on the floor and they're dropping games, you know, in which they lead 20 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder or, or, or something like that. I mean, you saw the Minnesota Timberwolves really make a big run on them in the second half. And it's it's gotten to a point where you kind of think that, all right, is do they need LeBron? Is he going to come save the day? Kind of like you said, is it going to be back to that? But the one question I still will always have about this team that I, I don't have an answer to because they haven't played enough together is... Are Russell Westbrook and LeBron James going to work on the floor together against good teams? I have my worries about the last five minutes of games where it's just Russ isn't an off-the-ball type player. He's, he's, not, he's not a guy that's able to do that particularly well. He, he dominates with the ball in his hands. And I think we all know, as much as you want to say, you know, LeBron will play a little bit more off the ball. Last five minutes of that game, he's going to have the ball in his hands. So that's, that's my biggest question about this team. Yeah, I feel like we, it feels like we've been saying for years that LeBron's gonna be playing more off ball, and it never happens. Yeah, exactly. So, it seems <laughs> yeah. like the the, the age old tale. Every year they say that, and all of a sudden, when it matters the most, he's got the ball in his hands. Yeah. Um, one more question, but I'll let you go. Um, do you feel like it's the age, you know, to rather because you know they can play good defense for you know stretches, for quarters, for halves, but like for a whole game, like you mentioned with OKC and Minnesota making that run, they're just not able, you know to put a whole game of great defense together. Do you think that maybe because of, you know, they are pretty old? Um, I, I think that could be a factor in it for sure. I, I also think that they're lacking a little bit of depth with guys like Kendrick Nunn still hasn't played. Uh, Kalen Horton Tucker made his uh, debut last night. So you see when they go to the bench, it's 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 night and day really with, with who's on the floor and the production on the floor. DeAndre Jordan really hasn't fit very well there. He's a guy that I, I, I think probably gets pushed out of the rotation at some point here. Maybe he comes off the bench every here and there, but at the end of the day, Anthony Davis is probably going to end up playing the five. And Carmelo Anthony has been a guy that has really been on the floor without LeBron out there. He's been on the floor with the starters kind of more than he's been on with the bench. So I think depth is a big factor into this as well. Uh, so yeah, I got to agree with that there. Um, yeah, hopefully, you know, it gets figured out. Of course, I'm just great. My Warriors are finally good again. Yeah. You know, it's a good time. Seriously. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you calling in. Definitely. Thanks for taking the call. Have a good one. All right. Jamal, yet again, absolutely killed it. Love the fact that he brought up the Lakers. I wasn't even planning on talking the Lakers tonight and got a little bit of Lakers in there. I'll go to break and be right back. Time to pay a few bills. So hang tight with more Shat Chat with Bradley Shatra on WNRI. Recent studies show germs have transmitted at self-service gas pumps. Don't put yourself at risk. Come to Murphy's Full Service Gas, where gasoline is pumped for you while you remain in the comfort of your car. At Murphy's, you pay the same low price whether you pay cash or credit. And free air for your tires for all our customers. Just look for the big green Murphy's sign on Social Street near the Diamond Hill Road intersection. 
Jacob Rowland Sons Construction is a family-owned business that does many types of masonry work at your home, business, or property. From chimneys, fireplaces, brick steps, block work, outdoor kitchens, veneer work, and other applications, they take care of whatever you need done and are known for their craftsmanship and the quality of their product. So give Tony a call at 401-744-4864 and see why more customers trust Jacob Rowland Sons Construction. And back for the final segment of Chat Chat Radio Show. Like I said, I mean, we only got 12 minutes here. Actually, 11 minutes now on the clock before 01766-1380. If you have anything on your mind, I'm going to move to the Kansas City Chiefs. Me and Jamal touched on it a little bit, but it really seems as though they are back. Because Patrick Mahomes last night over 400 yards passing, five touchdowns. We saw Tyreek Hill being the dynamic force that he is. Travis Kelsey played pretty well. And the defense was kind of the story, too. I mean, they had a pretty good day, only letting up 14 points. And, I mean, they were able to get the Chiefs the ball back so many times that ultimately that's where, you know, you saw them get rolling and be able to reach that 41-point threshold. But I think them being or at least looking as though they are back in championship form, I think it makes the AFC all that the more interesting. Because you look at them, and at the beginning of the year, I think a lot of people walked in figuring, well, you know, the Bills and the Ravens, they could probably challenge them, but ultimately the Chiefs will probably make it back because they are that strong of a force and they are that talented of an offense. And they kind of hit their skids and, and went up and down, and you wondered what the heck was going on, and a lot of people jumped off the Mahomes bandwagon. But now with them back, I've been looking at the Bills in a whole new light. I mean, I was looking at the Bills as, in my eyes, the AFC favorite. And you look at the Ravens and you look around and you say, well, man, this thing's wide open, so they might have a chance. And even teams like the Titans, if they can get Derrick Henry back before the playoffs. So it seemed like it was wide open. And I I still think it is because I'm not going to overreact off of that one game last night. But I will say it's kind of looking like maybe it's going to go through them again. And like I said, I'm not going to say that set in stone, but I think it does now kind of make the other teams in the AFC look around and say, all right, well, we might have to go through the gauntlet here like we've kind of looked at in the past few years. You know, the Bills look over at the Chiefs and, and that's potentially could be a really, really tough game. In the playoffs, in the Ravens, same thing. They've kind of had the Chiefs be their kryptonite for a long time now. I believe Lamar Jackson did just get his first win over the Chiefs. I believe it was this season. It was earlier in the season here. But overall, I think it makes the AFC all the more interesting now because if the kind of the king, in a sense, is back, now teams like the Bills and the Ravens, they're going to have to knock them off again. And I like where the Bills are at as a team. Me and Jamal talked a little bit about how they looked good against the Jets. It's a game in which you used to get right a team like that, and they were able to establish the run. The offensive line played a little bit better. And the Bills' defense has been good all year. So that's the one thing I think that really makes them a tough opponent on the Chiefs if they end up facing them somewhere down the line in these AFC playoffs is the fact that the Bills have the advantage over on the defensive side of the ball for sure and I don't necessarily look at Mahomes as 
the guy that I saw last year and the year before that was almost like he can't make a mistake. And when he does, he always ends up making up for it. And, he, and he's just one of those guys, you, you just expect him to find a way to win the game. And with the kind of mortality we've seen of Patrick Mahomes this season, I'm sitting here saying, well, Josh Allen isn't that far off, man. If anything, they're kind of on the same level right now in my eyes. I mean, Josh Allen's a guy that when he gets the time and his offensive line is able to hold up, very, very talented, very dynamic, able to make some stuff happen with his legs, even more so, especially more so than Patrick Mahomes. So I think the fact if we if the Chiefs can get back and be who they are or, or they were for the last three years, it's going to really make the AFC a race and it's going to you know now i'm not sure how to phrase it but it feels as though they kind of they're going to be they're going to be the team that that's that everybody's gunning for now because they they don't seem as though they are as unbeatable as we all thought before now I'm going to move off of that, and I'm going to go and finish the show here with Eduardo Rodriguez because me and Tommy the Giant talked a little bit about it, but I do want to go into a little bit more depth. So Erod signed a five-year deal with the Detroit Tigers, and it's a smart move for him, and it's a smart move for them. He now moves to the AL Central, not as good of a division. He can probably get some more gimme games there and some games that he should win. I, I don't think it's out of the question that Tommy said that he goes for double-digit wins for sure, and I think they're building something in Detroit. I don't think A.J. Hinch would kind of stick it out there if they weren't. I also think that at the end of the day, like I said, he was one of the most unlucky pitchers in the majors when it came down to it. I mean, they track that now, and he was a guy that his ERA would have been much lower if the Red Sox were able to play even even average defense behind him, but they just weren't, and it did result in him having some games in which he let up some runs that probably would have never happened if they were able to make the plays they should have made. But now you ask yourself, where do they go next? Where do the Boston Red Sox go next? Because this is a guy that ate some innings for them. He's a left-handed pitcher. And he was a guy that, let's be honest, I mean, he made some really crucial starts in the playoffs for this team. I mean, that Tampa Bay game that he went out and, and, and dealt was, was incredibly massive for them to move on and go to the, the next series. Now, obviously, Steven Matz is out there as a free agent. You wonder if that's where the Red Sox turn their focus to. My only problem with Steven Matz is the fact that I really don't think he's that much better than Eduardo Rodriguez, if at all. I think they're kind of around the same level of pitcher. So if they get him at a discount, all right, that would make a lot of sense. But if they spend similar money that they would have spent on Erod on a guy like Steven Matz, it really doesn't make all that much sense for them. It seems like you probably should keep... Eduardo Rodriguez here in this line, uh, here in this rotation, a guy that you know, kind of, at least he knows the, the team, the game plan, and he can execute that. There, there's no kind of accustoming to a new place there. But I will say, I think there's an interesting possibility for the Red Sox to move towards is the fact that the Oakland A's might be in the midst of a big rebuild. When you let a guy like Bob Melvin walk from your team and and go to a, a team like the San Diego Padres. It kind of gives the understanding that you're going to move into a, to uncharted waters here. They're probably going to start to move on from multiple guys. I think they realize that this current team that they've constructed can only go so far, can only do so much damage. This year was a wake-up call for them, missing the playoffs altogether. 
and really not playing well the final two months of the season, which is when you want your best baseball playing being played, never mind your worst. Uh, they made a big play for Starling Marte at the trade deadline. That I mean, he was good, but you look back on it now and it makes no sense at all with the fact that they completely missed the playoffs and gave up one of their better young pitchers that was in their, their system. But Sean Manaya, 29-year-old lefty, a guy that has really pitched well against the Red Sox, a guy that has really pitched well overall, one of the better lefties in the American League, you have to wonder if he's going to be one of the guys that the A's look and say, we'll move him for the right price. And that's where I come down and look, what would be the right price? You know, I think the Red Sox should do everything in their power to go after a guy like Sean Manaya because, number one, it's an upgrade over Eduardo Rodriguez. Number two, they'd be trading for him. So they wouldn't have to sign him too long term. And I'm sure that would be kind of the understanding if they were to trade for him that they would want to keep him around long term. But they would, able, they would be able to bring him in this season and not really have to worry about that until next offseason. And another thing is... The fact that they have the farm system to make a move like that and still have a decent farm system. You don't have to gut the farm system to go get a guy like Sean Manaya, about to turn 30 in February. You got to think maybe a guy that, you know, I don't know the level of prospect in which they would want, but I think it would be worth it. I mean, yeah, you give up a 23-year-old prospect, a guy that probably has, has some big upside for a guy like Sean Manaya, but he could give you the five years that Eduardo Rodriguez just signed with in the Tigers. He could give you those five years, and he could give you them probably better than Eduardo Rodriguez would. So that's really where the question lies is how are they going to fill this void that is now left from Eduardo Rodriguez walking? Now, me, I'm not, I'm not shocked by... Rod walking. I'm really not. I thought that they weren't going to overpay for him, and, and they made that pretty clear. They extended the qualifying offer. He denied it and moved on, which was expected as well because everybody knows that Eduardo Rodriguez wanted a long-term deal, and, and he wanted that security. And, and it makes sense for the player to go that route, but I also think it made sense for the Red Sox not to overpay, which they would have been paying him similar money to what they're paying Nathan Eovaldi. They are not on the same level as far as I'm concerned. So, it's not crazy money. I think I, I, I wouldn't have been upset if the Red Sox spent the, the $15 million a year to bring him in. But I also think it, it does make total sense for them to kind of let a guy like that walk. Because let's be honest, we didn't know what we were getting with Eduardo Rodriguez. He had some really high highs, but he had some really low lows. I went to a lot of Red Sox games this year. And there were some that I went to in which Eduardo Rodriguez pitched that were very, very ugly, namely against the Tampa Bay Rays and against the Minnesota Twins. But that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, it makes sense that they didn't pay him the money in which he was so that he was asking. I'm sure that High and Bloom has a price tag that he's, he's willing to go to and not go past that. But I think the answer here is a trade for Sean Manaya, and it's possible because of where the A's are at as an organization. I think that the future is gloomy for them, and you got to make a play for them if you're high in bloom. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and I will see you next week. Welcome to Shat Chat, the people's sports talk radio show on WNRI with your host, Bradley Shatraw. This is WNRI Woonsocket 
It's now 7 o'clock.